An interesting weekend for the Charlotte Hornets. They saw a win and a loss. We will start to talk a little bit more about the foul troubles for LaMelo Ball. That's coming up today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube. You can follow us there and also on our socials at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson, LOH, and at Locked On Hornets. We're giving you a recap and a give giving you a few bullet points what we're discussing click on the link and then you can check us out whether you want the audible medium or the visual medium that is youtube you can find us there plus go check out doug's Substack on every hornets box score at every hornets box we're going to i think have the notebook kind of be a theme throughout the show if we have two games that we need to recap then doug's notebook is going to come in handy have you ever thought about stealing blues clues and just calling it the handy dandy notebook uh, no, I didn't grow up with Blue's Clues. You're a little younger than me, so this really, I think this dates both of us. I was a little too old for Blue's Clues, a little too old for SpongeBob, honestly. Uh, and so, yeah, the, both of those well, missed me, older, so it will I not think. be the handy dandy notebook. No. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll just leave that to the side. Blue's Clues now, if you want to start though. a notebook, you can start a notebook if you want to compete with me and then call it the handy dandy notebook, but I will crush you. <laughs> Check out my Substack, Handy Dandy Notebook at handydandynotebook.com. Let's talk about the Hornets after what was a blowout against the Bucks on the good side. The Hornets actually routed Milwaukee, something I did not expect uh coming at all on the road, especially for Milwaukee. So playing well in that game. And then against Indiana, Doug. I thought they played well for the most part until they didn't. And they relinquished that lead against the Pacers. And of course your star LaMelo ball fouls out with just under a minute to play, but that was a key minute because this thing came down to the wire. And so we'll get to a whole recap as the show goes on. My first question is what's the bigger storyline of the weekend? Is it the fact that the Hornets are actually playing better? They blew out a good Eastern conference team and then almost beat what is I mean, I'll say that Indiana's good, right? They're not great. They're not going to contend. But I like what Indiana has shown us so far. So playing well against good teams and splitting the weekend, or does it LaMelo continuing to have just awful foul trouble issues? We got a tech in this game against Indiana. What is the specific storyline that you take away most? You know, I think that because they didn't do it on the road, uh, because they didn't do it at home and they did it on the road, I think that the Lamelo the Lamelo foul trouble is actually going to be more prevalent in, in fans' minds. Like had they had they accomplished beating the Bucks at home and and not and not gone you know completely winless on on that homestand or almost winless, you know then I, I think it would have been a bigger deal. But I think Lamelo's foul trouble is a big deal because it's been a big deal ever since he's returned. He's fouled out of three games. And this was one where you could have strung a couple wins together, something the Hornets haven't done much this season. They are playing well, but playing well is honestly, for for whatever goals the Hornets want to achieve, playing well is really not good enough. They've got to start winning games and winning games quickly if they want to reinsert themselves back into this Eastern Conference play-in race. And uh, LaMelo fouling out at a crucial time in that Pacers game, I think it's a big deal. I mean, LaMelo's talking to Tony Brothers on the sideline after he fouls out trying to figure out what's going on. And Steve Clifford, after the game, doing his best to defend 
uh, LaMelo Ball, but I think it's indefensible. I think if you're a star in this league, if you're somebody that wants multiple all-star bids in the future, possibly all-NBA, possibly MVP, it's just stuff that you you can't do uh, as a star player is, is take yourself out of the game like this. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I, I, I understand LaMelo possibly being the storyline here because he missed the, the game's final 53.3 seconds after fouling out, just to be clear, and obviously it was a, a crucial time. I actually think the bigger storyline is the overall weekend and how the Hornets performed, and I, it kind of goes to what you were discussing. You're right, Doug. It's not good enough. And so it might be a bad thing that the Hornets actually played as well as they did, specifically well enough to beat Milwaukee and then lose to Indiana. So you're not going to make up enough ground to get to the play-in, but you're going to do just enough to get yourself a little bit worse odds once it comes to the NBA draft. There's still plenty of basketball left, right? We do have a whole half of the season. But if you start to put it together now in that kind of realm of being just mediocre enough, then that's an actual bad thing, right? Even if your team not tanked, there have been plenty of people that have wanted to avoid the tank like the plague and still have come around to it with this Hornets team saying, yes, it obviously it's the right direction. Um, and so some of it's good, some of it's bad. Why I think it's the bigger storyline. Terry goes crazy, 39 points against Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. The whole starting lineup was in double digits. PJ Washington's mm -hmm. playing a lot better. So that happens against the Bucks. And then you look at the Pacers. Honestly, it's the same thing from the starting lineup, right? I mean, you got a lot of double digit right. outputs. LaMelo didn't score a lot. In fact, he was the uh, least, um, he scored the least amount among any of the starters here, but also had eight assists. Mason Plumley had his moments against the Pacers, scoring 18, grabbing 13 rebounds. So you're talking about the starters playing a lot better these last two games. Right. And so you can view that as better because obviously your top five guys, they're out there and they're competing and they're giving you some hope when you're watching. But again, you do have the whole macro picture type thing of what's going to happen come lottery, uh, draft lottery time. Well, you kind of just made my point for me there. It, it the storyline of why they're, they're each playing, other's points. <laughs> well, why, yeah. why they're playing better is that the starters are playing better mm -hmm. and why the starters are playing better is that, uh, LaMelo Ball is finding them in better places, and they are delivering. Uh, but the problem is when LaMelo Ball is off the floor, as he was for, for a good chunk of this Indiana game, he only played 24 minutes. That's why he only scored 13 points. Uh, right. and, and it was up to other guys to make the offense happen. And when, when LaMelo was off the floor, this offense against Indiana was not creative, uh, was not generating good looks. They were blowing sets. I, I mean, it wasn't just in that little chunk at the end of the game, the last minute, although there was a crucial possession that the Hornets just could not get into their set and, and ended up putting up a bad shot and, and giving Indiana just enough margin to win that game. But it was uh, when they had to sit them with three fouls. And then, you know, they they tried they, – they go with a fourth foul uh, at, the, at the beginning of the third quarter. And luckily, yeah. you know, Clifford trusts him there and he hits back-to-back -back threes. But LaMelo is like so essential to this team. There is, there is no success without LaMelo Ball and he has to stay on the floor. So I think that's why it's the biggest storyline. Well, yeah, and, and even even if it doesn't cost you, because I, I know Rod Boone wrote that in the Charlotte Observer, at least that, that fourth foul, they went on a 10-0 run after that where Steve mm -hmm. Clifford did trust LaMelo to stay in the game a little bit longer. He had to. But no, it's not. You see, well, I, uh, actually, I would correct. like, I, I, should, I should amend what I said because it's, it's not as if Cliff, I don't think Clifford trusted him. 
in the sense of like, um, well, I have a choice here whether to sit you or not. No, he had no choice but to mm-hmm. trust LaMelo Ball. They had to have him on the floor, and you were really just crossing your fingers, hoping and praying that he didn't pick up the fifth foul because essentially at that point, you, you sat him for a good chunk you know, after the third foul. So at that point, it was like, all right, we're just going to ride and die with LaMelo and hope he doesn't foul out. And unfortunately, he did foul out. Yeah, and so Steve Clifford, with with maybe choice or without choice, he decided to leave LaBello Ball out there on the floor. And a lot of the reason is now, I mean, Dennis Smith Jr. is the only other option that you have currently. I mean, if, you know, Bryce McGowan's, as much as we've seen some flashes from him, he's definitely not ready. You're not going to Maladone, who's in the G League as it stands currently and starting for them. And we know what's happened with James Booknight this year. So the backcourt depth, it's a hundred percent depleted and you are you, I mean you're also talking about your good passers right where Gordon Hayward isn't playing for you you know currently so yeah you're right I mean it's it's LaMelo who is the best connector the best facilitator you know Cody Martin can come in and pass and and same with Dennis Smith Jr. who played 23 minutes in this game against Indiana scored seven points but still you're right it, it's well, obviously so, LaMelo it, is the yeah right and one more point on this it, it, I think Terry Rozier helps make my point LaMelo out of foul trouble for most of the Milwaukee game. Terry Rozier goes off for 39 points. And this one, without LaMelo Ball for a vast majority of the game, then you're talking about a Terry Rozier who goes and scores 19 points, yes, but two of nine from three, six assists, but here's the big number, seven turnovers. Got to have LaMelo on the floor. I like, can we just throughout the whole show, make each other's points for, I mean, we we've each gone to that a couple of times in this segment. So we're you and me, man, just helping each other. I I'm LaMelo. You're Terry. You're LaMelo. I'm Terry against Milwaukee. And we're just setting each other up, baby. We've got a couple more segments to go. Let's recap and focus a little bit more on Milwaukee coming up next on the lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. How in the world were they able to get that win against the Bucks? 138-109? They had a 51-point first quarter. How? Just how is my question. We'll try to answer that coming up next on Locked on Hornets. This episode is brought to you by TurboTax. Go to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Meet with an expert who will do them for you. TurboTax experts can relive, excuse me, <laughs> relieve you from the stress. They don't want to relieve the stress from you. They want to relieve you from the stress of taxes and file for you so you can relieve yourself of that stress. Not taxes. Don't have to do those anymore. Show your eye, uh, show your eyes things that are not taxes. Unpack a moving box of not taxes. Taste not taxes. Sling not a taxes lullaby. That's right. Hope not taxes sleeps through the night. Grab a saddle and ride not taxes into the sunset. 100%. Thank you, TurboTax. With the TurboTax, 100% expect uh, you have an expert guarantee. An expert will do your taxes from start to finish so you can relax, you can feel good, and be done with all of the taxes um, it's got to sound wonderful. Full service products only video meeting while expert does your taxes required. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. I promise I won't say taxes in the next segment coming up next. Locked on Hornets is locked on Hornets. All right. So, so we've got Al or we've got the question. How, like, how did Miles do that? Can you help us end this debate with so much an unbelievable amount on the line? Uh, Doug, I respect you to the nth degree, um, but Walker, I'm telling you, it was just, it came, it, every single person who saw that reacted that way. Some of us just were tight, That's right. tighter than others, and I just had to release this from my body. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. 
So, Doug, the weekend started with an excellent victory over the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Bucks are a really good basketball team. Now, they've been struggling a little bit this year, especially offensively. Don't know exactly what's been going on with them. I did talk about this on the Hivecast with Sam Farber right before the weekend. Sam credited me with helping with the victory because it was my first time on the podcast, so I'll take it. That, that's the first thing that needs to be noted, that I hopped on Hivecast and then they beat Milwaukee. No, it is. Don't make that face. You don't have to do that. It's fine. That's exactly what happened. The second thing is the fact that, you know, in transition, this has been a Milwaukee team that has struggled this year. You look at their points per possession and transition, it was towards the bottom in the NBA, which is crazy because you might have the best transition basketball player of all time in Giannis Antetokounmpo, somebody with that body, that ability to dribble, and you have to form a wall. Like, that was the... That was the first thing you had to do in order to beat Giannis, and then he just went right through that on his way to a championship. And the Hornets offensively, I mean, Doug, they score 51 points. Now, by the way, this is a team in Milwaukee that I've checked the numbers in the last couple of weeks, I guess, for them defensively as far as where they ranked. But historically, I mean, they, they weren't allowing shots at the rim. They weren't allowing shots from the three-point line. So it used to be that their identity was, okay, we'll just give up a whole bunch of threes. And then they started taking that away this year. And yet still the Hornets came in and scored 51 points to lead the way. They never looked back. So even after a great start, you still got to feel a little worried because this is a Hornets team that will lose a lead. But they didn't in this one, so they got the win. What were some of your notes in your notebook, if we'll go to that, on how they were able to get that lead and then stick with it? Although it was a great response coming off of that blowout loss against Memphis. Obviously, what whatever was said amongst the team from Clifford or, or amongst the players uh, took because they came out with a different kind of energy in all phases of the game. I think people would look at the final score and, and go, wow, the Hornets just must have been on fire from three, uh, you know, similar to how they played a lot of last season. But that really wasn't the case. They were great in all phases of the game. Offensively, they were moving the basketball, making quick decisions. Lamella was fantastic, was hitting step-back threes all over the place. You're right, they were pushing the pace, but also defending in transition. When they play teams that, that don't play well in transition or don't run, or they limit teams that do run in transition, they've won this season. And and when they haven't done that or they play teams that are effective in transition, I mean, kind of like kind of like the Pacers, uh, they they tend to lose – those games. Uh, but defensively, they were getting set uh, and they were frustrating Giannis Antetokounmpo, who finished this game. It's amazing. Nine points. Like, how often does Giannis not score over 10 points? It's, it's really, yeah. truly astounding from, from an, uh, an MVP caliber player. Two of seven from the field. But here's the, here's the stat that kind of makes you go, oh, I get it. Five of 11 from the line. And so he probably would have had more had this game been closer because Mike Budenholzer finally waved the white flag uh, towards the end of this game and, and got a star player some rest. But but Giannis, the, the, the Hornets had a strategy, which was we are going to be super physical with Giannis every time he touches the basketball. And this team, if there's one thing this team has been great at this season, Walker, and it usually is to their detriment, it's fouling. <laughs> but I think they got the green light in this one, said, all right, if Giannis touches the basketball, foul the guy, put him on the line, let's force him to make free throws, and he couldn't, and then other guys couldn't make shots. The big absence here for Milwaukee was Chris Middleton. They got to get Chris Middleton back. That's why they've struggled offensively, yeah. is because he's he's had several stretches of of uh, being out of out of the lineup. So uh, yeah, just fantastic energy throughout the game. They kept the pedal down. Terry Rozier shooting. I mean, to me, Walker, this game highlights like why the Hornets' offense has struggled. 
It's because Terry Rozier has struggled. And, and so when he plays well, they're going to play much, much better. It shows you just how dependent they've been on him, you know, throughout his tenure here in Charlotte. It, so think about it, right? Terry Rozier, who was your mainstay, who was your consistent shooter the last couple of seasons. He was not the up and down type of guy for the most part. And then Kelly Oubre was. Think about all of the dependency you had on both Terry just being your constant, LaMelo, of course, being your constant as well. And then remember last year in the first half of the season, particularly when Kelly would have his eight point, uh, eight three point quarter and he would go for 35, he'd go for 40 or something like that. I mean, they were so dependent on his just nuclear firepower that he was able to bring. And when you don't have Kelly, who's out right now because of the injuries, and even when he was healthy, he had to go into a different role. And then even when he went into a different role, his shooting from three-point land wasn't as good as it certainly was in the first half. Yeah, you're right. It does kind of highlight what Terry was able to bring to Milwaukee and what he was able to bring the the, the previous few years. I mean, if you look at, by the way, Milwaukee's box box score is weird. It, I mean, we were just talking about this on Wesson Walker the other day, Doug, where Giannis's stat lines, we've kind of just, you know, shrugged our shoulders like this is what Giannis does, scores 30, shoots 60% from the field. And so when he gives you a nine-point box score, only two made field goals. Only made yeah. two field goals. That's absolutely nuts and only seven attempts. But what's weird about it is the starters, I mean, three of the guys didn't even log 20 minutes. This thing was so over. I mean, Brooke Lopez, 19. Drew Holiday, 19. Pat Connaughton, 16. I mean, you even go like you you couldn't stop the inevitable Bobby Portis. That is a Hornets killer. He swats Hornets in his sleep. He wakes up and destroys a couple of Hornets as soon as he gets out of bed. Well, he scored 19 points and 12 rebounds and did so in 23 minutes on excellent shooting because that's just what Bobby does. Well, and that's what Bobby does when all of the attention is going to Giannis, right? I mean, so a lot of those were double teams. Somebody's got to be open and ended up being Bobby Portis. Well, the last three games, he's done that, right? 20 against the Hornets, 20 against the Hornets, now 19. I mean, he he destroys them every time and then even had a double-double. But you're right. I mean, it's going to be a little bit easier when you have uh, Giannis getting all of the attention. All right, anything else from this game that you wanted to go to real quickly? Well, well I think something interesting, you know, I think people come to this podcast for for some of the – to dig down into some of the details. And I think one thing that's interesting in this game and something that we've been talking about for a lot of these shows is like – Whenever the Hornets break the lineup, especially in the first quarter, like you can go back and pinpoint several games over the past couple of weeks that they've lost at the end of the first quarter. Like that's that's where they lost this game because they break the lineup and the and then the the opposing team breaks the Hornets. Not in this one. And I think one of the adjustments that I've seen Clifford start to make is that the lineup breaks have come a little bit slower. Like he's trickling out you know, these substitutions a little bit. Like you're not seeing like three bench players come in all at the same time. It's been four starters and a bench player, three starters and two bench players, finally getting down to two. He's not going to – he's rarely ever going to go one starter and four bench players. And the bench is still not scoring that well, but defensively adding Dennis Smith Jr. and Cody Martin back to this bench has had a huge impact. Dennis Smith's ball pressure, generating steals, which which turn into easy offense – Cody Martin uh, is is getting back into the groove offensively, but I thought defensively, uh, him and Mark Williams have played really well together in the pick and roll. Like it's 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 nice stuff that you're seeing, but more of the res- even when bench is out there, so much of the offensive responsibility has shifted to whatever starters remain on the floor. You know, a lot of that's Lamelo and PJ together. It's Terry Rozier with the bench that played well against Indiana. So like 
you know, it, it's not only getting those bench players out slower. It's also when the bench is out there, it's like, all right, bench, your responsibility, don't let the other team score. All the starters, your responsibility, take all the shots. And it's an adjustment that I don't think is sustainable, but one that has allowed them to play a little bit better. Well, I mean, yeah, they exploded. And while the offense, it it certainly was better than it was without LaMelo, but they still did go into a little bit of a lull there, right? I mean, only 106 against Brooklyn. You scored 115 against the Lakers, 107 against Memphis, who's a good defensive team. You exploded for 138. One of 11, 111 is is good enough against Indiana, especially when you have a 30-point quarter, 32, I believe, in the fourth quarter, um, but weren't able to get it done. So, yeah, I mean, there still have been some problems that has not been consistent, but, but over the weekend, their offense has been a lot better. I want to continue to talk about some of the trends individually with these guys. Let's focus a little bit more on the game against Indiana and then individual performances. Coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Guys are being more consistent. You know, the role players, the starters, as we mentioned, they're playing a lot better. Doug will go to the notebook once again and discuss why that is happening for Charlotte at this moment in time. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all of the fat and you don't want all of the calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year, especially after the holiday weight, right? If you're like me, when you want to get healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then you want to have something that is able to appease both of those things where you're able to have something nice that tastes kind of like a dessert, but also you don't want all of the calories and the fat that come with some of these other desserts. So if you try Built Bar, what's great about it is it's low in sugar, it's low in calories, but it is high in fiber and it is high in protein. So you do have a couple of aspects there where it helps you. Plus it tastes unbelievable with some of the great flavors they have, churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond, the coconut variations of the bars are my favorite. I don't even like coconut. Built Bar has found a way to make me like coconut it's excellent now you don't need to wait around and even get a box too you don't have to order one and wait for it for years they've been talking about ordering built bars at builtbar.com allowing you to have that ability well now you can plus you can get them at your local walmart or your local sam's club that's right you can buy them in bulk so if you're close to sam's club run in grab a 13 bar box with the favorite flavors the hit flavors like brownie batter and churro and then you can uh, thank me and thank built bar later we'll talk a little bit more about the hornets weekend coming up next locked on hornets this is locked on hornets this amazing photo of mitch kupchak standing next to steve clifford in, in what looks like I think if you if you typed into one of those AI image generators, shotgun wedding, uh, this is the picture that would come <laughs> up because Steve Clifford looks yeah, absolutely so good. shocked. There's not a background underrated part of this. It's right. just a blank white screen. So you're not having any Hornets graphics. You don't even have the courtesy to There's bring blank, in uh, blank white do. faces too. Yeah, blank white faces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Doug, let's get to the game from last night. We, we almost did it. The Hornets were able to keep this thing close in the fourth. I mean, they had the lead, right? But then they allowed 43 points in the fourth. The Pacers set it, or excuse me, the Hornets set it 
um, after the Pacers game just yesterday that they couldn't get a uh, couldn't get a stop. I can't talk. It's it's been bad today. I really apologize. <laughs> it's not like I'm even tired. Like I'm actually more awake than I usually am doing this thing in the morning. So I'm really I'm really. Well, you started talking a lot about taxes, and then you started thinking the about taxes. Your taxes. Let me tell you, may, maybe that made me stressed because. I was saying the word taxes more than any other word on this podcast. I, I don't know. That that one really threw me off. We're going to try to regroup, but it's the last segment. So who cares, man? Let's just get wild. All right. First quarter, they scored 15. Indiana did. You had the 12-point lead heading into the second, and then you basically relinquished that by giving up 32 points, only scoring 18. But in the fourth, you gave up 43, Doug. And, you know, this has been a team – that has had their tr- uh, their problems fouling for sure. You know, we've seen that. LaMelo has been at the forefront and it was a big problem in this game. And you look at the amount of free throws that the Pacers took. I mean, Neesmith took seven. Miles mm-hmm. Turner took 10. Halliburton mm-hmm. took six. Mm-hmm. And you had Buddy Heel take four, which, I mean, I'd love to see how many free throws he attempts per game because he just usually lets it fly from the three-point line. You know, you have four guys in your starting lineup that take at least four free throw attempts. It's a good amount, you know? I mean, that that's a yeah. decent amount. So what did you think about the fouling? And even if you wanted to focus on LaMelo a little bit more because it, it's been such a problem with him. Yeah, the, the fouling wasn't great from the team in general, but I don't think that's what lost them the game. Uh, obviously, there were a couple of possessions here or there at the end that could have gone one way or the other and didn't go the Hornets' way. And LaMelo not being on the floor for the final minute obviously had a big impact. But I thought defensively, something that got them into the game early, that bench unit coming in, I mean, they held Indiana scoreless for like a six- or seven-minute period at the end of the first going into the second quarter where they just absolutely locked it down. Dennis Smith Jr., Cody Martin, Mark Williams, JT Thor. Like that is, you know, when you get all four of those guys on the floor, it's going to be difficult to score because all four of those guys are like extremely locked in and that allows you to play them with a guy like Terry Rozier who can then focus on knocking down shots and and almost had 20 points in this game. Terry did turn the basketball over a little too much as I mentioned in that first in that first mm-hmm. quarter. But I thought what lost in the game, Walker, was allowing corner threes. Um, and, and they were 6 of 11, Indiana was, from the corner. And it was Miles Turner. And it was Miles Turner. It was Buddy Heald, who uh, didn't shoot well most of the game. But at the end of the game, knocked down a couple corner threes. And what happened was they really focused on trapping Tyrese Halliburton. They wanted to slow that guy down. But the traps weren't extremely effective. And either... Tyrese Halliburton was beating the trap, getting to the middle of the floor and finding the, the the guy in the corner, or they were getting the ball in the middle of the floor to Miles Turner, who would either get fouled driving, or he would find the guy in the corner, or he would be the guy in the corner. And so that pick-and-roll offense, when they go to trap somebody, they've really got to figure that out because multiple teams have beaten them like that. You take away the main guy, and they've been able to find ways to get through that trap and find the man in the corner. That's something they have to deal with for sure. I thought that's what that's what really lost in this game. Yeah, and and you know, when you're talking about, you know, some of the foul trouble for LaMelo and then, you know, not even being able to get out there on the perimeter, it, it really hurt the Charlotte Hornets team where, you know, they they lose by that 5-point total. And look, you know, it, speaking about LaMelo, Doug I feel like when when you're talking about him, so many of them are frustration fouls watching yep. him this season. Sure. And it's 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 what I've talked about too, right? It it's Lamelo following his shot, which seems so elementary. There's so many players that don't do that, but he he does it as consistently as any player I see. But you know, and and so many times he'll follow a shot, 
And then he'll turn that into a foul because he's so frustrated that he missed or that he's not getting foul calls because we know that's been something fan the fan base has noticed as well. So now that has to be in LaMelo's head. And it feels like it's this vicious cycle that we're seeing with LaMelo just continuing to foul like that. And uh, and the fact that he's not getting him too, right? Like you, you'd love to be able to to counter that and to balance the scale, but it's just not happening. Who you know for Lamelo, who's just not really getting to the foul line all that much. Zero free throw attempts for uh, for Charlotte, or excuse me, for Lamelo in this game, where Mason had six, Terry had eight. Excuse me, um, yeah, eight, and then Mason um, six, PJ four. Like Lamelo having zero, it's a tough one. Well, we know at the beginning of the season, too, that was a focus for LaMelo Ball was finding ways to get to the rim and get fouled. And and he hasn't really been able to do that. And, and I mentioned he's, ta- he's talking to Tony Brothers after, you know, after he already fouls out. He's just trying to get some kind of indication as like, what do I have to do to pick up these foul calls? Because he is driving a, a, a good bit, but he's just not been very efficient when he drives. Like if you look at these past two games, a vast majority of his offense – I think especially in the first half against Milwaukee, all six of his buckets were threes. In this game, he was 5 of 12 from the field. Three of those makes were three-pointers. Two of them came early in the game off drives uh, where he was actually able to get to the rim and, and convert. But the rest of them were just him being frustrated and turning it over. One of the fouls came after he got blocked, and that was a frustration foul that that uh, that Clifford mentioned after the game. Mm-hmm. But there are a variety of, of ways that he's fouling. And, and But one of the varieties that isn't that prevalent is him actually like contesting shots at the rim. I mean, you look at like the sixth foul where he fouled out was him kicking the leg out, which was just like inexcusable. Just like take the shot, you make or miss it, get back out on transition defense. Like don't – it's, it's why are you trying to get cute at, an end, at the end of a game when the margin is so tight – with with the leg kick out to me there's just like no excuse the fifth foul was him trying to get around a turner screen and he kind of wrapped turner up that's kind of 50 50 like I, I don't know whether they should have called that or not uh the fourth foul was him coming over early for defense and trying to get out of the restricted area just not getting there early enough and he gets called for the push on turner that's a savvy play by turner but here's the problem when Lamelo gets into foul trouble Two th- one of two things, or maybe both, happen during the course of that game once he starts to get in that foul trouble. Clifford takes him out to protect him, to try to keep him available for the end of the game. That's going to affect the offense. It, it completely collapses when is not on the floor. And then the second thing that happens is now the team knows they can attack LaMelo Ball on defense. They kind of knew that coming into the game because LaMelo is attackable on defense. But he becomes immensely more attackable, and then you have to start hiding him on the defensive end and, and that really snowballs in the way they want to play defense. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge thing. LaMelo's got to figure it out. I don't know whether he figures it out, you know, during the season or if it's something that has to come in the offseason and really refocus on it. But, um, yeah, it's it's hurt him tremendously. Well, yeah, and, and I wonder because it, it's not like they didn't focus on it this offseason. I wonder if it kind of just got thrown to the wayside because of all of the changes, because you had players that weren't here that you expected – because you got injured in the preseason, because you didn't get to practice it real time. Because if you look at LaMelo's offense right now, I mean, Doug, he's taking the second most amount of three-point attempts compared to every other player in the NBA. The only player taking more three-point attempts per game is Steph Curry in the 26 outings he's had at 11.6. LaMelo's at 11.2. And then you have Dame Lillard, 10.7, Clay Thompson, 10.4, Anthony Simons, the last guy taking double-digit three points uh, per game at, at right at 10. 
And if you look at the two-point percentage for LaMelo, Doug, it's the worst it's ever been in his career. Now, it's just a tick below what it was last season, but it's certainly not going in the direction you wanted it to, right? Like here, we we weren't worried about the shooting. Coming out of, coming into his, in his NBA career, we were absolutely worried about the shooting, some more than others. And I, again, I've, I've raised my hand high on this quite a bit. I didn't, I'm, of course, I didn't expect this type of three-point shooting. I, I was hoping for 34 throughout his career, but that guy... I mean, he said, yeah. F me, blew me out of the water. And now he's just an, am- he, he is a, a fantastic shooter. Well, yeah. But and his, point- his, his, yeah, his spot, well, his spot up shooting is what's saving his offensive efficiency. Like if you look at his mm-hmm. points per possession on, on different kinds of looks, his spot up is like a plus, 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 plus is best in the league or near best in the league. Um, but it's his, like, if you look at his pick and roll ball handler numbers, when he, when he runs the pick and roll and he takes the ball, is not good. It actually is one of the like worst points per possession for for his position um, in the league. So that he's got to find some balance there. Where if this because if the spot up numbers were to suddenly go away, if he were to hit a and this happens to all players, you, I mean you go through shooting streaks. If his spot up numbers were even to start to like leak back to average, like his mm-hmm. offensive efficiency would would essentially crater. So it's something he's got to pay attention to. I think if he gets more foul calls, he'll foul less. He'll be less frustrated through the game. Um, I think it's something that has to sort of come in tandem. He's got to find a way to get to the free throw line to make his offense more efficient. And that, w- and also if the Hornets could deliver him another star where there's not so, I think he feels so much pressure and sometimes yeah, starts does. to press a little bit. Um, that could, it, you know, your, your second best player night in and night out can't be Mason Plumley, who shout out has played really well, knocking down free throw shots, great on the boards, uh, had uh, a really great stat line yeah. in that Milwaukee game, tons of assists and rebounds. Um, I, I'm hoping these two games, Walker, make him immensely tradable. And and Terry yes. Rozier had 39 points at the right time, too, by the way. I, I said, Mitch better be picking up the phone, calling every GM, and doing that sort of cliche scene from a disaster movie where, like, Mitch calls every GM and says, uh, you're going to want to turn your television on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the camera pans in and only focuses on the person he's calling, and then eventually they get to the TV. That's right. right. Um, I, I hope that happens because, yeah, Mason Plumley did put up a, a really good stat line against Milwaukee, against Indiana. He, he played pretty well 18, last night. 13, and two assists. Although, my God, every single game, I swear, Mason – Mason had a horrible foul in this game after LaMelo had already fouled out. He fouled mm-hmm. Halliburton in transition after they they missed uh, they blew that set and missed that shot that would have given them the lead back. Like, Mason fouls Halliburton at the half-court line. Just can't do that. And he almost had one in Milwaukee where he fouled a guy 80 feet from the basket. Like, Mason has got to cut that stuff out. Like, I, I don't think it matters really in the grand scheme of Hornets land, but it's just like to watch it is – is painful. Uh, but shout out to Bally's. I actually got to see some of those fouls because they've been, I don't know if they listen to Locked on Hornets, Walker, but they mm-hmm. uh, shout out to them in the past two games. They've been cutting back early from their close-ups, from their graphics. It looks awkward, but at least I get to see the play. Well, and it doesn't matter if it looks awkward, too. I think we all understand as the viewer, you got to get back to the play. It happens all the time, right? I mean, with some of these get other broadcasts where you focus on to yeah. the play. It's got to be like exactly. fundamental. The well, I think it's something interesting, Walker. The the game is being played so quickly that I think traditional broadcast muscle memory hasn't really caught up oh. because I think these guys typically had a way of like, all right, I got a couple seconds here to hang on this close up, and then I got to cut or a couple beats, and then I got to cut back. And now this thing is happening. People are trying to go as quickly as possible, and the the broadcast have to adjust. 
No, Doug, I'm telling you, I called a game um, on Saturday. Um, I, I was color analyst for Queens and Kennesaw State. And if you don't know Queens basketball, they just made the jump to Division One. They're an awesome basketball program. They would go to the you know Elite Eight, Final Four. They'd win 30 games. You could bank on it every single season, right? They're playing really well this year. But both teams play really fast. I am not as good as Del Curry by any stretch of the imagination, nor am I as good as Matt Carroll. And I am not the professional Eric Collins is who play by play. I'm the color right. analyst, right? But it was go. It was a track meet. And I mean, even with, I've done it for, you know, four years sparingly, mm -hmm. not 40 games, 80 games, but you know, I'm doing it probably 15, 20 a year, something like that. Anyway, it was hard. I mean, I, for, for some yeah. reason, the, the pace in that game, and this is a Queens team that's always played really fast. They've always played fast. And I was like trying to finish my thought before they would get, you know, two, three trips down the court, back, forth, going back, back. I mean, it was crazy. I, I was trying, you know, so I get it. Just it, it hits home what you were talking about. And you didn't even have to talk about taxes. I <laughs> thank God. <laughs> taxes, taxes, man. Oh, goodness gracious. I'm going to have to try to figure out how to uh, make that read a little bit better. And I promise to do that, TurboTax. Thanks for sponsoring the show, the network, and thanks to the listeners for checking us out once again and making us your first listen. Now make your second listen. Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA. Available on the Odyssey app. YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day.